Chapter Eleven of Deadwood Dick. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Corey Samuel. Deadwood Dick's Doom, or Calamity Jane's Last Adventure, by Edward L. Wheeler. Chapter Eleven, The Poet Plots. For a moment, after his strange unmasking, Carol Carner stood, confronting the girl's sport, almost speechless with rage. Then he drew a knife and rushed fiercely at her, but stopped when he perceived that she held a cocked six in hand. "'Slack up your locomotive, if you please,' she ordered peremptorily, "'or I shall perforate you. Don't spect I'd see you leave the tavern, did you?' and that I'd tumble to your little game the minute I seed you. "'Everlasting curses seize you,' the baffled schemer hissed. "'If you put up that pistol, I'll kill you.' "'It would be rather kind of me to give you that advantage, but I can't hardly see the point,' Calamity returned dryly. "'And I allow that, for your own personal safety, it would be your likeliest move to make yourself scarce about this burg.' In other words, I'll give you five minutes to get. If I see enough of your anatomy after that to get a decent aim at, I'll blow you higher than dynamite blowed hell gate. But I protest. Gentlemen, I appeal to you for protection, the scoundrel cried, turning to the roughshod audience he had just been addressing. Will you see me thus bulldozed by this young tigress in breeches? I allow you'll have to fight your own battle, pilgrim. Poetical Shakespeare asserted, with a broad grin. "'You are super fine at pulling sheepskin over our eyes, and we're pine you'll have to rest on your own oars, you bet. If the gal says git, I allow that is about the healthiest thing you can do.' "'Yes, you bet, and you'll need to be expeditious in order to get out of range of my pop-gun in the four minutes that yet remain,' Calamity added, glancing at her watch. "'Come, be moving, or you're a cadaver, sure. "'And recollect, if I ever catch you in this town hereafter, "'I shall pop you over without ceremony.' Carner gazed at her a few seconds, "'with a face that was livid with rage, "'then turned and strode to the door. "'Remember!' he cried, "'turning and shaking his clenched fist at her. "'Then he hurried forth into the pouring rain.' Calamity followed him to the door, and kept her revolver levelled at him until he had left the basin. Then she returned to the barroom, from whence she went to her own apartment upstairs. The poet Bullwhacker was a shrewder man than many gave him credit for being. While outwardly blatant and boastful, he was capable of putting this and that together, and forming some pretty correct conclusions. Among others, he had lately conceived a little money-making plan of his own, from things that had come to his notice. In the first place he had, by figuring and guessing, concluded that the girl, Virgie Verner, or more correctly, Myrtle Morris, was of more pecuniary value than ordinary girls, for the reason that she was wanted by two parties. First, by Carol Carner, who had offered five hundred dollars reward for her, and secondly, by Mrs. Morris. How much could be extorted from her, the bullwhacker had no idea, 
but he had conceived the notion that she would be glad to pay still more handsomely. In the second place, he had formed another idea that he could find the girl. He had twice gotten a glimpse of old Scavenger, the mad dwarf. He had seen the terrible face of the Avenger at the tavern window the night of Pinto Dave's death, and knew the dwarf had been the one who had fired the fatal bullet simultaneous with the report of Calamity Jane's weapon. Something argued to him that Virgie was in Scavenger's power. Thus concluding, the poet formed a determination to obtain the girl himself, if possible, and surrender her to the one who would her. On the day following, which was a pleasant, sunny one, he left the town, and spent his time in the mountains and forests that surrounded Death Notch on every hand. His object in this was to obtain a glimpse of the dwarf. One glimpse was all he wanted. He could then strike the maniac's trail and follow it, no matter where it led, for not many years before the bullwhacker had been a scout upon the plains, and had acquired great skill in picking and following trails. To solve this hair enigma, must see his nibs can take me. Then may Satan all unrig me, and bears and wildcats dig me, if I did not find that there pig me, he said, smiting his brow. It was well along in the day, ere he caught a glimpse of old Scavenger descending a mountain path. The dwarf had a haunch of a recently killed deer upon his shoulder, and was evidently making for his camp. No sooner did he spy him than the poet secreted himself hastily in a clump of chaparral, and waited to learn which course the maniac would take after reaching the gulch. Oh, now I've struck a lead, his trail I'll quickly read, I'll next thing get him treed, and waltz off with their girl indeed, was the poetical thought of the bullwhacker. Scavenger continued to descend the rugged path until he reached the gulch bottom when he paused and glared around him, as if to assure himself that no one was in the vicinity. His eyes gleamed with a wild, unnatural fire, and altogether he was a horrible object to see. That he was utterly insane, no one could doubt who beheld him. After a moment's survey of his surroundings, he turned and strode up the western course of the gulch, which led into the heart of the wooded mountains. Allowing him to get fairly out of sight, the bullwhacker then emerged from concealment, and took up the trail, and followed it step for step. "'If I shouldn't find the girl, I'll be madder than the hornet who out of spite bit off his own ear,' he soliloquized. "'I allow, however, that I'm on the right trail.' The dwarf led him a long walk, ere the destination came into view and caution required the trailer to stop. The Avenger's camp was in the gulch bottom, in a little forest glade. A rude camp-lodge of boughs had been constructed for shelter. Near this, upon a log, sat none other than Virgie Verner, or Myrtle Morris, the Mormon's bride and victim. She was not free, however. A strong, small-linked chain was locked about her waist and then fastened to the strong limb of a tree overhead, which shaded the spot where she sat. From his position 
which was several rods distant from the camp. Shakespeare could not hear anything that was said by either the fair prisoner or her captor, but he saw the dwarf shake his fist at the former, as he laid down his haunch of meat. "'The cursed little skunk is ugly to her, I pine,' the poet grunted disapprovingly. "'Wonder if I hadn't better pop him over and have done with it. Guess, however, it would be best to tackle him when he's asleep, and secure him in the real flesh and blood. If I were to put him in a cage, I expect I could hire him out to Barnum as a curiosity.' It was getting dark, and not being particularly desirous of shedding human blood, the poet decided to postpone action until the dwarf slept. In the meantime Scavenger built a fire, and slicing off some meat from the haunch with his keen knife, spitted it upon a stick, and proceeded to roast it. When he had a sufficient quantity prepared, he laid several pieces upon a chip, and handed the food to Myrtle, who had been watching him with a grave, anxious face. "'There, eat you, girl. That will bring the roses back to your cheek for me to kiss away,' he said, with a horrible grin. Myrtle pushed the meat away in disgust. "'I do not want anything to eat, you human beast,' she gasped in horror. "'All I want of you is to release me, and to let me go my way.' "'Oh, ho! That would be kind of nice, wouldn't it?' he grunted. "'But you're too much of a hurry, my rosebud. I wouldn't send you off at night. You must wait till morning.' "'Ah! Then will you release me? Oh, please say that you will!' the young woman said, pleadingly. "'Yes, yes, I'll release you, to be sure I will, from every earthly care, trial, and temptation. I'll send you where Deadwood Dick sent my child. Oh, yes, I will. I'll cut your pretty throat, and you'll die easy, and go straight to Jordan's golden shores on the broad route.' Myrtle uttered a scream as she comprehended his purpose. "'Oh, surely, surely you will not harm me, sir. Only promise me that you won't. What have I ever done that you wish to kill me?' "'Nothing, nothing at all. But I have sworn to kill every white hellion I could get a hold of, and I shall fulfil my oath. Tomorrow, just at sunrise, you shall die, and there will be another notch upon Red Hatchet's tallypole, put there by me. Ha, ha, ha!' And he laughed, like a demon incarnate, as he was. Poor Myrtle! What else could she do more appropriate than indulge in a good hearty cry? Which she did. It did not affect the Avenger, however, for he ate ravenously of raw meat, after which he smoked his pipe, and rolled himself up in his blanket near the fire, preparatory to going to sleep. Myrtle's chain was of considerable length, so that she could enter the hut and recline upon a bed of boughs which had been provided for her. Outside the camp, the bullwhacker poet waited impatiently for the midnight hour to arrive, having decided that it would be his best time to act. It came at last, and he stole stealthily forward, with cat-like tread, into the glade, a cocked revolver in his hand, ready for use in case necessity compelled him to fight for his prize. He soon reached the dwarf's side without arousing him. Then, armed with a rope, he sprung upon the unsuspecting Avenger, and secured his hands in almost a twinkling, then his feet, so that Scavenger was utterly powerless to move, 
by the time he had fully awakened to a sense of what was going on. "'Curses on you!' he gasped, struggling to get free. "'Who are ye? What do y'all mean? What do you want?' "'My name is William Henry Shakespeare, the poet of the West. I am philosophical protector of the women's rights,' the bullwhacker declared. "'I'm going to bind you to a tree for wool fodder and then waltz off with your captive.' And he was as good as his word. Securely binding the dwarf to a tree, he then entered the tent, bound Myrtle hand and foot, and throwing her over his shoulder, strode away out of the glade followed by terrible curses from the lips of old scavenger. End of chapter 11